Hello, this is Aurora, the producer of Lime Ninja Radio. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know that you're going to notice changes in the podcast. You see, we have shifted over to recording episodes on Facebook Live. So what you will be listening to is a live recording that we have uploaded for you to enjoy. Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you here. Our guest, Dave Korsunsky, is joining us. We had a little confusion about the time, but he'll be coming on in just a second. And when that happens, we'll bring him up. But in the meantime, we are welcoming you to episode number 273 of Lyme Ninja Radio. And as you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. We have guests join us from all over the world. It's amazing how many countries this podcast gets to. Hey, there's Dave right there. How you doing, Dave? We'll bring you up in just a second. All right, hang tight, good. And Aurora's got the top 10, so why don't you tell us where you're from, and while we wait for these comments to come in, Aurora's gonna read the top 10 cities. All right. We've been in last week. Hi, everybody. And since last week, we've had listeners join us from Selden, New York. Starting at number 10, Chicago, Illinois, Denver, Colorado, Miami, Florida, Buin, Chile. Mm, maybe I should pronounce that differently. Buin, maybe. Um, Ashford, Ashburn, Virginia, St. Paul, Minnesota, Alpharetta, Georgia, Santiago, Chile, and last but not least, Paris, France. Cool. And our good friend Christine's with us today. Hi, Hi. Christine. Good to see you. Hi, Julie. How's it going? Glad to see you. And Christine's from Lincoln, Vermont. And John joins us from Douglas, Mass. Glad to have you, Douglas. Glad you're here. And Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, David Korsunsky? Be happy to. David has 15 years of experience working for industry-leading technology firms and most recently served as Director of Technical Alliances at VMware, where he led strategic partnerships with global EHR companies, including Epic, Cerner, McKesson, GE, Allscripts, and many more. David went on to lead sales engineering at Cloud Physics, a big data firm collecting and analyzing over 80 billion data points a day. And as an avid health enthusiast, he recognized an opportunity to build a software solution that makes it easier for everyone to take control over their health through better use of their data. All right. So we're going to say goodbye to Aurora and Wizard the Cat for making a cameo. Hi, guys. (laughs) And bring up Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy that you were able to carve a little bit of time out. Sorry about the confusion about the time also. 
Yeah, I'm in Arizona time, and I get myself confused sometimes with the whole <laughs> we're on the daylight saving, we're not on the daylight savings. I'm, I often get that mixed up. But thanks for shooting me a text so I could join you. <sighs> yeah, awesome. So you were in corporate big data. Yep. And then you decided, you know what? I've got a dream. There's a need here. I could take my talents and create a company for people instead of corporations. And what have you learned? I mean, that's quite quite the change, you know, glide path down into doing huge data like that. Talk about what was it, 800 billion data points, 80 billion, whatever that was. Okay. And so what what have you learned, you know, coming from that big corporate medical data and sales data into managing data. Because one thing I find, people with Lyme disease have all kinds of issues. Their symptoms go up, down, sideways, you know, week to week, day to day. Sometimes it seems that way. You know, how how do you sort that out? What have you learned about controlling all the data and making sense of it? Because otherwise it's just white noise, right? Yeah, well, that, there's a lot to unpack there. I think the first thing we can learn is that everyone responds differently to something like Lyme disease, for example, or to something even like epilepsy, as an example. And so what, what is driving or exacerbating symptoms for one individual may not be the same thing that's driving or exacerbating symptoms for another individual. And there's a lot of reasons why that is the case. It has to do with your heritage, your, your genetics, the choices you've made in your life up until this moment in time, your body composition, the food you're putting in your mouth, the humidity in the air. So there's a lot of things that play into even how one person responds to a, a therapy relative to the next person. And that's where individualized medicine and, and being able to personalize data becomes very powerful because everyone's tried to diagnose a health condition online. And you, you, the first thing you do is you just have an existential meltdown because you get 8 billion different opinions. And so one thing that you can retreat back to is the safety in numbers. Those never change. No matter how many expert opinions you get, <laughs> you only need one good measurement. There's a really famous quote out there that applies here. So just in terms of, first of all, mental sanity, like, okay, I'm going to go read a bunch of stuff. I'm going to put my bullshit detector on. I'm going to decide which of these things I'm going to try, and I'm going to measure it, and I'm going to see if it works for me. So that's, that's the first aspect to it is just having some objective data that you can use to, to go forward. I think the second thing I've learned is that when I was in the corporate world going into these, these computer data centers that were the size of football fields, basically. That's what I was working inside of. And, and I could go into this football, football field-sized computer data center, and I could find problems in under 10 minutes that these companies didn't even know they had, and they're looking at these systems all day. And that's because I had better tools and better data. And that's the other aspect to this. We are now moving into a time where individuals now have access to better tools than the doctor in many cases. Not surgery or or complex acute care, but tools to be able to understand their lifestyle choices very precisely. And so how do we use this tooling to help people make these decisions 
in the same way I was able to go into these environments, I didn't know that well. So that's, that's how I look at it. And then there's the long-term aspect of this, which is how can we make software that can help you automatically find these things for yourself without you having to do all of that work? And we can talk more about some of our ideas uh, on how we plan to accomplish that. But hopefully that gives you a, a good answer to, uh, to start off with. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. One of the data points, I want to say one of the measurement tools we've talked about here, uh, and we've had the Elite HRV on just talking about HRV as a great kind of global gestalt measurement for just how are you doing today kind of thing. And uh, and tell us about how you see that fitting into the other data streams and then how it – I don't know. Can you, we didn't really get a chance to, to talk about this earlier because, because we're, we're doing this live here. Can you share your screen? Can you Absolutely. walk us through some of this? Cause there, if you see the button down at the bottom, you can do that. Cause it'd be great just to walk through and show folks what you're talking about. Cause I love your apps. Great. And the way that you can graph things and choose what you're going to graph. It's not a one to what you said. Exactly. It's not a one size fits all. You can, adapt this tool to fit your needs and to track what you want to track. And that's just awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's just unpack lead HRV for a minute there. They're one of our, one of our partners and you can synchronize your, your HRV readings onto your heads up dashboard. And then you can start to cross reference that with other things. You can cross reference it with blood sugar. You can cross reference it with meditation. You can cross reference it with the quality of your sleep, huge correlations. So that's where we start to, to pull that data in and give you a more objective view of the data. With Elite HRV, I mean, it was not that long ago that you needed to go to a, a hospital and rig up to a big machine there to get a decent HRV reading. And now, I mean, I have their core sense right here. I just wake up in the morning and do it while I'm having my coffee. And they've probably got enough data on all these samples that they can give me so much more insights onto my numbers because they've learned so much from it. So um, that's going back to what I talked about. This thing right here can give anybody access to like HRV data that Olympic athletes use to calibrate performance. Everybody has access to this now. What is this thing? 80 bucks. Yeah. So you just got to learn how to use the, use the tooling. And so then, then we want to figure out, like for me, I like to see how I can increase my parasympathetic activity. I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm pushing the limits of my body. So with enough testing and with getting good, consistent sleep every single day, and there's a lot of things that go into a good night's sleep that we can talk about. But I can get my, my elite scores you know, up into the high 60s and 70s, and I know that I'm really – starting to get the parasympathetic system running. So um, let's take a look at an example here. If you guys want to do like a, a walkthrough on the software, I'd be happy to. Yeah, let's do a little bit. That'd be awesome. Sure. I'm going to share my screen here with you. Okay. And I'll manage what's up once it pulls up. Yeah. Oh, All right. You you should okay. Yeah. There we go. So let's just run through a typical user's dashboard. And one of the things that you might be looking at is the quality of your sleep. And there's really sophisticated sleep devices on the market now. Very important to try to get a sleep tracker device that also does continuous HRV through the sleep cycle. So, so strap, Garmin, et cetera. Okay. 
So it's measuring HRV all through your sleep cycle. And you can see in the morning, it gives you a report on your nocturnal HRV. That's very different than waking up in the morning and measuring it with a lead HRV, which you can see I have down here. With a lead HRV, you're doing it when you wake up. Those are very different measurements. Both are actually helpful. And so what's the, I, I'm not familiar with the difference between the nighttime and the daytime. What's the difference? Well, your body is in an uncon. it's in a, um, you're, you're asleep. So you're not able to have any outside influences from, from daily stressors, daily life. You're also going through various sl- stages of sleep. So they're very different measurements. One's a waking measurement. One is tracking it all through the night. But generally speaking, they're both going to move up as taking better care of your body essentially. So the only difference is um, when it's being measured. So one measures it while you're sleeping. And if you don't have a a device that can measure at night, you can also just check it in the morning. And um, generally speaking, they're both going to move in the same direction because they're both measuring effects on the central nervous system. So um, they can be complementary or you can use either one. Does that make sense? Yeah, it it does. Actually, I'm going to pause here for one second. I got a question in the comments saying, yeah. uh, what is HRV? So I'm going to give a real brief overview. So HRV is a measurement of the minute differences between the your heartbeat. So the more robotic your heart is, the more mechanized it is, the more exact it is, the less variance, the worse off it is, the more stress you're under. And eventually that can lead all the way to a heart attack if things get too regimented. So a healthy heart goes back and forth. A healthy heart has a little bit of rhythm to it. And so the higher number of your HRV score, the better. So that's just a, a basic thumbnail of the HRV. Yeah, think about it as a way to actually measure stress. You know, we yeah. think of stress as this nebulous emotional state. Ooh, I'm stressed. But if you actually had a way to quantify it, then you can start to try to make some meaningful impact on it. So think of it as a stress measurement. So um, here's a typical dashboard where I've got some sleep data. I've got some blood sugar data. I've got some physical activity from my Apple Watch. I've got some metabolic data. You can customize this. Each person can set it up with the metrics that matter most to them. So if I'm not interested in blood oxygen, for example, although in the coronavirus world, that's something a lot of people are tracking these days. That's the first real indicator that things are going south for you with coronavirus. So weight, body fat, each person sets these up. These all sync automatically. We also integrate uh, the lab test results from your doctor. So if you make a healthy lifestyle change, does your inflammation markers get better? So that's where we want to give people to measure their lifestyle choices, diet, sleep, exercise, stress, meditation, and then also be able to see results from the blood tests. So that would be things like um, inflammation and hemoglobin A1C. And then I think what what really caught your, your attention was how can you make it easy for people to, to actually track if, if their changes are working or not? You know, somebody said if I, you know, my, my functional doctor said take this supplement or run this test and I'm spending all this money on these things, the gadget, is my health actually getting better? Is my, um, let's just look at um, a couple examples here. So this is a, a graph that's looking at the last four weeks of my health. And what we're able to do is take any metric. Let's say it's your, what's a common um, lab test result that you talk about on, on this uh, podcast or well, Facebook live, sorry. 
So we actually don't get in too much into tests at all because where I'm in New York, a lot of those aren't available, but a lot of people look at their oat tests um, over time. Yep. Uh, so, you know, and then inflammation markers like homocysteine or CRP, something like that. Yeah, so let's just take, uh, you can see I've got hemoglobin A1C on here, but that could easily be homocysteine, for example, yep. or it could easily be HSCRP, okay? And let's say I want to look at my HSCRP this year and compare it to my HSCRP from last year and see how much it's changed and also measure that relative to my blood sugar. So let's say, for example, I've started to watch my blood sugar and go on a low-carb diet. So I want to look at my hemoglobin A1C and my blood sugar on the same graph. So you can get this from any glucometer in the world. Uh, I'm just setting it up here. Give me a second. Yeah, no problem. Where is blood glucose? How do and do the, does the endpoint on these machines, is it Bluetooth? Is it USB cable? How do you get the data in from the devices? If it's Bluetooth, we'll sync it automatically. If not, you can just punch these numbers in manually. Just takes a couple seconds. So here's an example where I'm looking at my blood glucose and my hemoglobin A1C. And it's telling me that in the last four weeks, my blood glucose is up 4% and my hemoglobin A1C is down 8.9%. So you can do any experiment. You can say, listen, I want to see my HSCRP over the last four months and compare it to the last four years. Because in the last four months, I've been on a AIP diet, for example, and will automatically tell you the percent change as you make those lifestyle changes. So um, that's kind of how it puts all the pieces together. And we really want to give individuals tools and then also tools where they can work with their healthcare professional to help them interpret the data because it's intimidating for a lot of people. But if you can, if you can go to your functional doctor and say, this is what I've been doing. I've changed my diet. I've been getting more sleep. Here's my results. Can you help me interpret this stuff? So it, it just gives some objective data to start personalizing how you do things and then tracking if it's actually working or not. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, the other thing I want to mention, because we have actually quite a few practitioners who end up tuning into the podcast, yeah. and this platform also works on that end as well. And can you just give us a brief overview on what it would look like from a functional practitioners and what how are they using it does it take into account all the other lab tests that can come in does it do that automatically do you know just some of the details there well it's important to understand that we can synchronize an individual's lab test results from most of the providers across the country so let's say you're a functional doctor in new york okay and you have a patient in california or um a patient even within New York, for example, that individual can connect their current and past medical records electronically. So the first thing a functional doctor can do is start to see deeper into that person's medical history. And you can start to see the lab results from Stanford and UCSF and Kaiser on, on one chart, for example. And that just gives you immediately 10 or 15 years more visibility into when symptoms may have started emerging. Because as you know, every doctor keeps a sliver of your health records. So the first thing we can do is put that back together. And then as a provider, you can invite your clients or patients. They can start to measure things like blood sugar. They can connect up their aura ring. They can start tracking HRV. They can start tracking nutrition. 
and you can have access to that and personalize how you're, you're coaching that specific individual. So it gives you all of the lifestyle metrics to help understand how you can improve the outcomes. So it just puts all of that information for each of your clients on one dashboard. HRV, blood sugar, HSCRP, homocysteine, and you can set it up differently for each client depending on what you're working on, weight loss, inflammation, autoimmune. You're going to be measuring different things. We have Tour de France racers that are tracking deep sleep and lactate threshold, like really high performance metrics on their dashboard. And we have cancer patients that are putting their body deep into ketosis to do things like slow the growth. So it, it just gives you a dashboard to track all of those metrics holistically. And what you, what, how does it go? What you measure gets results and, or what's that? Yeah. What you measure gets managed. Yeah. There you and, go. Uh, you know, I, I have some family members that are, that are autoimmune. Yeah. And so I'm able to look very carefully at their heart rate variability at their blood sugar levels, at their white blood cell count numbers, at all of these metrics. And even with just a few mouse clicks, I can get a really good sense of what's happening with that individual day-to-day, week-to-week. And that's really powerful data if we can put it to use properly. Okay. So we have a question. I think it's a little bit of confusion, but I think you can help clear it up here. Yeah, please. From a friend of mine, Naomi Mass. She's uh, Her husband's a physician, and she's a functional medicine uh, person also. So she's talking about manually entering numbers and like from once, what sort of vice. And I know you're going to answer everything, but if you give her a little more detail, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you a few simple examples. There's a lot of people who already have really good devices sitting at home. They have a perfectly good scale that they can be just stepping on once a week and entering a weight reading. They already have a glucometer. Maybe it's not a fancy Bluetooth model. Maybe they can't even afford a Bluetooth model. Just get any old glucometer, and you may ask them to punch in their fasting blood sugar for a few days so you can see what their blood sugar levels are when they're waking up. Maybe you also want them to punch it in before they go to bed so you can see what their blood sugar levels are before they go to bed. Just that is going to give you incredible insights into a person's metabolic health. And then being able to manually enter blood pressure. I've got a perfectly good Omron cuff at home. I've used the same one for, for 10 years. And it was like $59 and I just punch it in once a week. And then you can also enter in lab values. So if you're working with a patient, you might want to punch in some of the markers from their oat test, especially if they're going to do repeat testing. So you can start to look at those candida markers over the course of a few years and see if they're going down without having to open three PDF files and parse through it all. So you can enter the lab test results as well, uh, functional tests or just regular old blood tests like hemoglobin A1C. And that, so that brought to mind a uh, question about non-numeric data. Yes. So what if we're talking about somebody's mood? We're talking about, you know, yeah, I feel kind of good today or more, I don't want to say journal, but that, that space in between journaling and ob- ob- objective data as opposed to, yeah. I'm sorry. It's a great question. I think there's a couple components to that. One is just freeform text where a user can log in and maybe they're trying to record symptoms, for example. Like they want to record an entry when they have a migraine and maybe add some notes around what was happening at the moment the migraine developed. Because you forget, 
three weeks later. And then you're trying to remember when you talk to your practitioner. Always. So, Always. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's that basic like, okay, here's what was going on when I, when I had these symptoms and uh, you can then share that with the practitioner. So, or not, you can keep it private or you can share it. So there's ways to just record that subjective symptomatic data as well. And um, that's how we approach it in next to the analytic, like the hard numbers. Do you take data from Fitbit? Yeah. So we spend a lot of our time making sure all of the, the best digital health devices on the market are connected. So Fitbit, Garmin, Aura, Keto Mojo, uh, Withings, Chronometer, MyFitnessPal, uh, Biostrap, Elite HRV, because everybody already has this stuff. The Apple Watch, everybody's got an Apple Watch, and there's like 80 million of them sold. And that gives you really good indications of how much physical exercise a person's getting and how high is their heart rate going on a day-to-day basis. So all of that stuff syncs seamlessly for the individual. And then you can share that with your healthcare professional if you choose. You know, one of the things that I run into in my practice is that somebody will have some gut issues somewhere deep down in the gut, and it takes a day or two for them to react. Mm -hmm. So it's either the buildup of the inflammation or literally there's a patch of bacteria somewhere down in there that gets fed every once in a while and acts up. So the distance between when they eat the thing and when they have the symptom is not close enough to say, oh, yeah, it was the cheeseburger I had or, you know, the bologna sandwich or whatever it was. Never the cheeseburger. The cheeseburger. <laughs> Just saying, right? Yeah, I'm going on record with that one. Okay. That's a hard one because yeah. you, you, especially when there's those delayed reactions, 12, 24, 48, 72 hours, tough ones. Um, I think if you had some notes when you when you had the symptoms and then you could start to look back 24, 48 hours previously, you might start to find patterns. But those ones are tricky. Yeah, they're really tough. But I would see think something like uh, having the HRV data or even, even pulse data. Right. And then keeping a journal and being able to track that up and seeing, you know, if so let's say, you know, you have a, you've got your data showing that there's a spike every so often and then your food journal matches up. It's like, wow, I've just noticed that, you know, it's the bologna sandwich. It's every time I have bologna sandwich three days later and I'm making it up. I know limeys aren't having bologna sandwich, but, you know, sometimes it's the weirdest foods that trigger trigger these things. Something that's otherwise healthy, like a sweet potato or I don't know, some sort of squash that you can have weird reactions to. Totally. I mean, that's kind of like uh, Rob Wolf's book, Wired to Eat. He gave some interesting examples there where, where uh, there was there was this study in Israel and uh, they had 800 people rigged up to Dexcom CGMs and they tracked and delivered every single. Slow, slow down because I know what you're talking about. So a Dexcom CGM is a continual glucose monitor. So it's yeah. measuring the glucose every five every minutes, five minutes. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's so cool. So they rigged up all these people and they gave these examples. Two people ate a banana, okay? One person's glucose went up, the other went down. Yeah, insane, right? So how, how 
should you eat the banana or not if you have metabolic health issues, right? So, so the, the point, getting back to your example, is that's why a lot of people will measure HRV and blood sugar and heart rate after certain meals because it can help you find those trigger foods. Yeah. So here's an interesting question. Is there a, a pain scale or, I mean, the typical one is, is the smiley faces, right, that you see in the doctor's office. But do you guys have anything or have you come across anything that's better than that? We get a lot of requests from our um, practitioners to be able to deliver these subjective metrics. And so we can allow you to deploy, for example, a pain measurement scale where people could report in, for example, on a one to seven scale. And different practitioners have different subjective metrics that they want to probe on. It could be energy levels, mood, fatigue. So everyone has different ones, but we can set those up for practitioners to survey people with those types of things and, and at least apply some kind of a numerical one to seven scale for it. And then the ability to add some um, subjective notes, or you may just want to ask your, um, your client to use the notes feature and just self-report on that using whatever scale you want them to, and then share that out with you. Okay. Awesome. And if there are any more questions out there, now's the time to get them in because we're going to be wrapping up. So if people are interested in giving this thing a test drive, they can head on over to your site. Yep, right? headsuphealth.com. Uh, my email address is dave at headsuphealth.com. So if you're interested in checking it out, just uh, either sign up as an individual if you're a healthcare professional, then uh, shoot me an email and we'll get you set up with an account. You can try it out. And um, we really want to put the lifestyle data at the hands of talented practitioners to really help with a lot of lifestyle-driven uh, chronic condition. Yeah, it's a, it's a great mission. Now, in wrapping things up, I want to ask you, what are your top three metrics that you track for yourself? Yeah, uh, well, definitely heart rate variability. It's exciting to see more people learning how to use that metric as individuals and then also more practitioners learning how to use that metric with clients. So that would be number one. And number two would probably be my blood sugar fasting first thing in the morning. I'm not diabetic. I don't have a metabolic health issue. But in terms of longevity, I think stable blood sugars over decades is one of the best longevity tools that we have. So I, I would give that a strong number two. And then um, number three would just be sleep quality, getting really, really good quality sleep data. You learn so much about how to improve your sleep when you have good biofeedback. And the way I approach rest has changed just from learning more about how to optimize for it. So those, those would be my top three. So what did you learn about rest? I'm curious. First of all, there's a lot to do with meal timing that affects sleep quality. And so you'll notice that if you eat a late dinner, you're, you're basically digesting food while you're sleeping. So and let's talk about define late. It's late. different for, it depends on the meal. Okay. So if you eat a, if you eat a, a big carb heavy meal at 9 PM or even 8 PM or even 7 PM, it depends how fast your body can metabolize that food. If you just have a light salad at that same time, it's not going to have as much of a metabolic load. And so what happens is your heart rate is elevated because your body's breaking down that food. And 
it affects the quality of your sleep and you'll see that show up in the numbers. So for me, I try to be like fork down, finished eating heavy meals by 5 p.m. I might have a light snack at night. I'm eating the same amount of food. I'm just pulling back when I finish and I'm falling asleep completely 100% food digested. That has huge implications on sleep. Second one is um, alcohol, you know, even a glass or two of wine. It doesn't mean I never indulge, but I fully understand how that affects sleep quality. And I rely on my, my ability to perform every day as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. So I've, I've changed my alcohol consumption habits. Um, cannabis, whether, wherever you stand on the spectrum with that, CBD oil seems to be um, no effect on sleep. But um, cannabis can definitely, even though you sleep really good, when you see the heart rate variability numbers, for most people, they, they suffer. So that's also one to consider. And also exercise timing. That also has effects. Room temperature has effects, as you, as you probably know. Doesn't mean you need to solve all these things day one. No, it's just kind of a, a journey you go on. And you learn little things along the way, and, and you improve over time, and you find what works for your specific body. That's awesome. Dave, thanks so much for carving out a little bit of your time and sharing your knowledge and what you've created here. Yeah. And uh, just keep on keeping on, man. You're awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry I was late. Hey, we're right on time. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. All right. Take care, man. Thanks. Yep. All right, Miss Aurora, what did you learn from Dave? That was, well, first of all, it's just really cool. I want to restate this idea that what you measure gets managed. A, yes. it's a great saying. <laughs> but B, technology has changed so much from when I was little and the go-to health thing was go to the doctor once a year and get a physical. It's like we have so much access to this, you know, the, these pieces of technology that we can really take these things into our hands, get those, um, start to identifying those causative factors of what is it exactly that's making me sleep bad? What is it exactly that's making my heart have palpitations two hours after I eat, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think David is doing some amazing things by getting this, uh, being able to put it all in one place and being able to monitor and finally figure out what the, those things are. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. All right. Thank you all. And we got some kind words coming in from, for Dave, Naomi says, thanks, Christine. All my Lyme friends say, thanks, Dave. So thank you. Oh, and is this a subscription-based service? Ultimately, it is. Yeah, you can test drive for free. So recommend you do that. It's not very expensive, like $9 a month or something. So it's almost nothing. So you're not being hammered there with the price at all. Now, as you longtime Lyme ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lyme ninja. Wait a minute. I got to slow it down, right? The Lyme, Wait, ninja, the Lyme ninja fact of the day. <laughs> You laugh every time. I just like that little bit. Did you know ninjas can light matches underwater?
Lyme Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lyme Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lyme Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lyme Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.